I'm telling you. How many of y'all believe we're standing in the presence of holy ground today? Man, I'm telling you. I love that song, right? Oh, man, church family, let me tell you. Bob Weatherington's sitting back there, and he's going to get his chance tonight to preach, so I'm going to make sure you come back tonight at 6 and hear him, okay? I forgot to do that during my announcements. But other things, man, I wanted to tell you how much uh, something's changed in my life. My wife can testify to this, but this is my journal. Man, I hated school. I disliked it so much, and I told myself, once I get out, I'm never writing another paper. You know what I mean? That's just my philosophy on it. And I said, God, if you get me out of this uh, master's program and get me a church, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. He's convicted me big time by a missionary named Kelly. He was at Super Summer. Let me tell you, if you don't send your kids to Super Summer, you need to look at doing that. That's the reason we go. It's not a fun camp. It's a camp where you're going to learn. Where you're going to learn about your walk with Christ. I'm not up here to brag, guys, but I want this to change your life just as much as it changed my life. Okay? But this is my journals. You know, there's red and there's black, just like there is in the Bible. And I'm almost through Luke. I did Matthew, I did Mark, and now I'm working on Luke. I've got two chapters left in Luke, and I'll have Luke done. But I've been working on this for over a year, and I'm not a writer-type person. And, uh, man, I want to tell you, God's used this writing of his word. I've read his word before, but this writing's been something else. I can look at my own handwriting and see God's words that he proclaimed and his promises that I wrote out that have changed my life, that has changed my way of thinking. And uh, church family, God's word isn't just there to put up on the shelf and say, wow, I got me a good Bible. Okay? He wants you to hide his words in your heart. He wants you to become that word living day by day, just as Jesus was. He wants you to become that. This is helping me to become that, okay? This is the tool God's using in my life. And I want to tell you, it wasn't comfortable at the start. But so many things happened in my life that I need to lean on him. I need to have his power in my life. And I'm thankful that I'm journaling. I'm thankful that I'm writing. You might say, Brent, I ain't got that many thoughts. Hey, if you do nothing but write God's words out. Hey, that'll go to your memory, okay? I got this thing called dyslexia. Went to several classes and all that. One of the hardest things they told me to do as a dyslexic person is write. Because I'm not seeing things right or left to right. I see right to left sometimes. But when I write these things out, it helps my mind comprehend what he's telling me in his word. It's just not hearing it. It's getting another emotion in there, okay? It's getting my hand to write those words out, to ponder what those words mean. So when Brother Dwayne said, hey, I want you to preach on God, I was panicked. This time he left, he said, Brent, it's wide open for you. I like it when he says that, okay? So I was praying to the Lord, asking him, Lord, I know this is your service. What would you have me communicate to your people? He says, Brent, You've already done it in your journal. I'm going, really, Lord? This is going to be sermon prep. It's going to be easy this week, okay? But he says, no. Hey, I want you to share with the people 
what I'm doing in your life, and I want you to share a parable of just two choices. Hey, how many of y'all love two choices, except when you're my wife? I'm going to pick on you a little bit, hon. My biggest thing is, hon, where would you like to go eat? And she goes, I don't know. Me being a good husband I am, I gave her two choices. Okay? I usually say, well, we can go to Carmi up to DiMaggio's Pizza, my favorite spot. You know, we can go up there and get a pizza. Or we could go to Hardee's. All right? I'm just kidding you on the Hardee's thing, but it is kind of funny now that McDonald's is gone, so that's kind of wild. But, yeah, two choices. Usually that makes it a lot easier. You either pick this choice or this choice, right? You ain't got to consider a hundred choices. Hey, God's doing that to us. He says, hey, I walked in your shoes. I know all about you. And he starts out in Luke. That's where I'm going, in Luke. Luke's been a great book for me. But I want to get in here and let you see where I've come from. Luke has got a ton of parables in it. And I'm preaching one of the parables today. He's got the lost sheep. He's got the lost coin. He's got the lost son. He's got the unrighteous steward. And then we're coming to the point where I want to get right here in the middle of it. The rich man and Lazarus. Okay, I might have a hard time saying Lazarus, but you guys know where I'm coming from, okay? What chapter? We are in Luke chapter 16, and we're going to start at verse 13. He's talking to his disciples, and the Pharisees are listening in. Here it goes. He says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will devote himself to one and despise the other. No one can serve both God and wealth. Okay? Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening. And these things, and they were scoffing at him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourself in the sight of men. But God knows your heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men in detestable in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were proclaimed unto John since the time of the gospel of the kingdom of God and been preached in everyone is forcing his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of the letter of the law to fall. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he who marries and who is divorced from his husband commits adultery. All right, you might be going, whoa, Brent, what in the world's happening here? Okay? He's been preaching on lostness. He's been preaching on, hey, you need to be found. Jesus came to save you. All right? These Pharisees are seeing it, okay? They're seeing it. But being a Pharisee, they always go to the law. And guys, get this. In Matthew and Mark and all these places, it's written that these Pharisees came to ask Jesus a question. One of their biggest questions about the law is divorce. 
strange. What's one of the biggest things happening in our society today? Divorce. Not just divorce, it's marriage. I do a lot of marriage counseling. I do a lot of uh, weddings nowadays, okay? I wouldn't say a lot, but I do my fair share, okay? But man, if you can understand that marriage relationship, you understand a lot about Christ in his church, okay? But all the time these Pharisees are wanting to justify, wanting to make them right, because the law says... You shall not divorce. Oh, but Moses. Moses gave permission because of the hardness of the human heart. What I want you to see here is also in this scripture, he says, God knows your heart. God knows our intentions. Wow. Does that freak you out? That freaks me out sometimes. God knows why I do the things I do. Even though it's a selfish reason sometimes, he still knows what I want, okay? He still knows what's first in my life. If I say I love him first, and I fail to do this, do I really love him? Whoa. I got this little guy named Corbin. You guys have seen Corbin around? Where's Corbin at this morning? Oh, he's right back here in the back row. Are you listening this morning, Corbin? Okay. Corbin loves to come up to church. He lives right over here, right next door. And I mean, when that bus drops him off, he's over here at the church. He loves to come to the church. Kind of reminds me of another young boy in the Bible, right? He comes to church, uh, he works with Danny, he works with Bert, he works with all of us. He usually comes in my office, and he's realizing what I do in my office. He goes, what does a youth pastor do? Well, I've been journaling here in my office. And I guess Elaine or somebody got him a pad and a pencil, and he does his own little journaling and uh, tries to mimic what I'm doing in my Bible. I'm going, wow, God, you're a powerful teacher sometimes. You know, I don't see this a lot of times, but man, how you use a little boy like that to come around here and to teach me things, that's awesome too. But guys, you got to remember, we're living the Christian life out here for everybody to see. What you do affects some other people. What you do with your life affects other people. Maybe God put people in our life Tell them the power of the gospel. The power of loving Jesus above everything else. I'm just saying. We're here to glorify him, right? That's my number one purpose in life is to glorify him. To make him large. No matter what I do, make him large. Here it is. Jesus says, I'm going to tell you this parable. All right? And this parable is found in uh, Luke 16, 19. He says, Now there was a rich man, and he had a habitual dress in purple and fine linens, joyous living, and splendor every day. Man. 
This is the ultimate bulldog fan right here. Okay? I've had to get the youth thing in there. Okay? The purple. Man, if you go to a game and you don't dress in purple, it's sin. You know what I mean? Trenton went to his first Baylor game. He's dressed out in green. I've never seen the boy in green, but him and his wife were dressed out in all green. But, man, when you go to a game, you want to get with the program, right? Hey, this guy was with the program. He goes, hey, I got it. I'm going to show you I got it. He dressed in fine linens. They say woven air. My commentary said that this is the very best you could get. The purple, get this, we always see Jesus clothed in purple. I want you to know the reason purple stands for royalty was purple is the most hardest thing to get in that day and age to dye your garment purple. It came from a fish, a mussel, in the bottom of the sea, and that's how they made these things purple. Usually it came out white, yellow, or something, but purple was an extraordinary color, and it meant great wealth. So you see, this guy's showing his great wealth. He said he's joyous living. Guys, when you got everything you want, Dwayne's on a cruise. You know one of the things he's looking forward to? It wasn't being on the boat. It wasn't about being with the swimming pool or nothing like that. He says, Brent, you know what? If I want something to eat, I can have it right then. I can say, hey, bring a hamburger to my suite. I want it right there. Bring coffee in the morning, it'll be right there. That food, to being able to get anything you want. I could see this rich man having anything he wanted to eat. All that, okay? He is living the world's best life right now. And here it goes. And a poor man named Lazarus was laying or laid at his gate covered with sores. This is about two guys, guys. The rich man we don't have a name for, dressed in purple. But guys, never before in a parable has Jesus used a name. You're seeing it for the first time. This is a name he gives is Lazarus. I'm going, wow, what in the world do you mean in here, Lord? You're using a name for the first time in a parable. There's got to be more to this than meets the eye. There's got to be some reason you're naming this guy Lazarus. Here it is, guys. He was a beggar with sores all over. When I was reading through Matthew, there was a time when I was reading Matthew and it said, When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in need, you did this. When you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. And that doesn't mean Brent. Who's that mean? Hey, that means Jesus, man. That means God. Another thing I see about Lazarus here. He was laid at the gate. He didn't just walk there. He had to have people bring him there to lay him down. He laid at the gate. He is covered with sores. He was sick. He is in need big time. Okay? And this well-off guy had this guy laying at his gate. Two guys. Two people. Get this. We're going to go on. 
21. In longing to be fed with the crumbs from which falling from the rich man's table, besides even the dogs were coming up and licking his sores. Hmm. Does that paint a picture? Paints a vivid picture in my mind. Sores. What's the first thing I do when I see somebody in need? I want to go help. But this guy was laying there. I don't know how long he was laid there, but he laid there. Apparently they knew he was there. Okay? But he longed for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. To satisfy a temporary need he had in his life. And it said, even the dogs came by and licked his sores. I had to do a little research on this because I'm a dog lover. Any of y'all in here? I love my dogs. But get this. Because that dog was licking his sores, that wasn't a good thing. I always thought that in my mind, that that might have been a good thing, that these dogs were licking his sores. That's not. That was just to torment the man even more. Okay? That these dogs were even competing for the scraps falling from the rich man's table. I know my dogs, if there's food laying around, guess what? They're getting it. All right? Unless I got something to say about it, the other one's going to steal from the other one, okay? Dogs aren't human. Never were supposed to be, okay? But it was a torment for this poor man, okay? Here we go on a little farther. Now the poor man died and was carried away by angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. Whoa. My kids growing up, they said, Dad, I want to do this, I want to do that. A lot of times, me and Mom used to say no, or, you know, hey, life's not fair, you don't get to do everything you want to do, you know, that type of thing. The only thing for sure is, you're going to die one day. Alright? I hate to tell you, but life's alright, but it's going to run out, and then you're going to die. But you have to be prepared for that. You have to know that that's going to happen. Church family, radio audience, I hate to tell you, one day you're going to die. But it's not the end. Okay? That's when eternity starts. Okay? But to die means this for the poor man. Get this. The poor man was ushered into the bosom of Abraham by angels, plural. Okay? Here it is, lying here, sores, everything that's going wrong, and he dies, and angels escort him into Abraham's bosom. Woo, baby! You see the big thing here? This man was rich in spirit. This man was being Jesus where he could be Jesus. Okay? And he was ushered into heaven by angels. 
One would have been sufficient for me, baby. But he says, angels. They escorted him into heaven. I told Tracy when I die, I really don't care about my funeral service. Just make sure you preach Jesus, okay? Jesus is the answer. He's the one I want to be all about. But I don't care what kind of casket I got. Who died here recently? Aretha Franklin. Did she die? Big singer. One of the things I found out about her, when she died, she had a gold casket made out of 24 karat gold. Whoo, dogs. Would you rather have that 24 karat casket or would you rather be ushered into heaven with angels? Whoo, man. You see the difference there? You see the tendency of our nature? Guys, it's in my nature too. I want stuff. I like good things. But my desire needs to be more for him than for anything else. Right? Because you can only serve two masters. Wrong. You can only serve one master. Either I'm going to serve this one and be mad at the other, or I'm going to serve this one and be mad at the other one. You see, there's no walking the tightrope. Either you're for me or you're against me. Now, it said the rich man died, and I can only imagine his funeral service was awesome, okay? Because he had the funds, okay? He had the stuff. The poor man just probably kicked him in a hole outside of town, and that was probably it, or just laid him outside of town. That's what they did in the old times, is they laid him outside of town, and it was a big dung pile, it was a big pile of just stink, okay? That's the reason it was outside the city gates. But that's probably where you laid, laid, okay? But I want you to know, what made that rich man or a rich man, or uh, what made that poor man a poor man was his soul. His soul went into heaven. He was there with the Lord. Same thing with the rich man. When he died, his soul went somewhere. And it said it went to Hades. Who I do a little research here. Hades. You don't want to go there, folks. It's not Disney World. It's not a popular spot. Or it is a popular spot. But a lot of people don't want to go there, okay? But what you do is you make preparation now for where you're spending that eternity. You pre-buy your ticket. You pre-get your ticket now. So I'm telling you, Jesus is the way. He ends up in Hades, and there's a couple of things here I want you to see. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes and being in torment and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus with him in his bosom. Okay? So in Hades, you can see, or in this parable, you can see heaven. You could see the excitement. You could see Lazarus sitting with Abraham talking to Abraham. Whoa! How many times does my prayer life, do I go, 
God, man, I just want to hear from you. I want to know you. I want to hear. I want to be more about it. I want to be more in communication with you, that type of thing. Here, you see it lived out. He's living this life that he's had here on earth, okay? He's trusting the Lord every day for his food, right? Trusting the Lord every day for what comes his way. You also see that in the parable of the widow's might, okay? She gave all she had. But it's easier when you don't have a lot. Okay? But when you think you got a lot, it's harder to give. Okay? When you think it's mine. I said it. When something's mine, it's harder to give up. Is it not true? Man. Our kids have both moved out of the house. One of the things that was easy was cleaning Trenton's room, cleaning McKenzie's room. Because you know why? They ain't there to say anything about it. We can give everything away. It's gone. You know what I mean? They ain't there to proclaim or do anything about it. Last on our list, hon, I'll be honest. I've not been looking forward to this. It's cleaning our bedroom. Because I got a load of pile. And it's hard for me to let go sometimes. It's easy for my wife to tell me to let go. You know what I mean? But when it comes to me, it's hard for me to let go. But she's just the same, let me tell you. She's got a closet she's been saying for years, right, hon? I might wear that one of these days. But we just need to let go. Why do we hold on to things so much? Why do I love that junk? Yesterday, we went to an antique place. We had a day off. Tracy goes, let's do something. I said, let's go to a car show. She goes, nope, we ain't going to a car show. <laughs> so she goes, well, we go to the furniture place. And I said, all right, we'll go to the furniture place. I'll, I'll give in. Went to the furniture place. This guy has got seven warehouses of just furniture. Now, I believe we worked in all that furniture. The first five warehouses are just new furniture. So we looked at it. And so... They said, hey, across the street, we have got three more warehouses of stuff this guy buys at auction and just goes into these warehouses where you've got a price written on it and you just get whatever you want. I'm going, wow, sounds like a deal to me. So you wouldn't believe this. We walked to five warehouses. We walked the other three warehouses. And I'll be honest with you. There wasn't a lot of stuff in there I'd like to have because all of it was old dusty, moldy, old refrigerators, old washing machines. Tracy goes, that's a washing machine like my mom used to have. I'm going, who wants to buy that? You know what I mean? I'm not interested at all. But it has value when it's yours. Be careful how you define yourself nowadays. Define yourself in God's word, not about what you have. Define yourself the way you live Christ out. I think that's what he's trying to point at here. Because things are going to pass away. They're going to become junk. Believe me, Trenton and McKenzie already told me and Tracy, there ain't nothing we want of yours. 
just go ahead and sell it off. So, all right, just kidding you there, okay? All right. See, I could talk about them now that they're gone. They'll never hear this until they hear the tape. All right, here you go. All right, he lifted his eyes up and seen Lazarus in his bosom, okay? So, man, Lazarus is living the life. And this guy has the nerve in Hades, he says, and he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony for this flame. Whoa. He sees, now Lazarus, I can imagine he laid at the gate when the guy passed. He probably said something to him, you know, whatever. Try to get noticed, try to get some food scraps. This guy's calling out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, man. I'm down here in the pits, in the flame, in agony. Have Lazarus dip the tip of his finger in the water to cool off my tongue. Now, I was wanting to see how accurate this was, uh, what the Bible says about hell. In Revelation 16, it says that they have that tongue that they gnaw at it because they're so thirsty. How many of y'all want to go? Man, that sounds like a bad place. How many of y'all love the heat? Man, we were deciding what to do the other day. And the reason we picked the furniture store is because it's air conditioned. Heat's not one of my big things I like to do. But I will. But in here, there's no relief. Eternity. No relief. Listen to this. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you receive your good things, and likewise Lazarus had things. But now he is being uh, comforted here, and you are in agony. Here it is. And besides all this, between us is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from you will not be able to, and that none may cross over from it to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers in order that they may be warned them so they may not come to this place of torment. Whoa. Man, this story's tough. He says, Father Abraham, man, if you won't give me a drink... Here's what I want you to do. I want you to let Lazarus come up from the grave, go to my five brothers, and warn them about this torment. Because I know if they comes back that from this grave, they're going to heed his warning. Ooh. Wow. When I read this, my mind was blown. Let me get this right. There's another parable uh, in John. John, I think of 
chapter 11 is when Lazarus comes out of the grave. Is my God big or what? Can he do whatever he wants to do? Can he blow my mind? Yes, he can. He's got power like you would not believe. He could do it if he wanted to. Here's the other thing I saw. What does Lazarus mean? Since this is the only parable that has this name given to a person in a parable, what in the world is the Lazarus name? It means God help. Whoa. Unbelievable. God help. But that's exactly what this rich man's doing now. He's crying out to God to help. Guys, once you die, isn't the time to call for help. Because God's judgment is already pronounced. It's over. Game over. I used to hate that when I played video games. Game over. No matter how much I loved it, and I didn't have another quarter to put back in there, I wasn't getting to play it no more. That's it. This guy's figuring out, hey, this is brutal. They warned me of this place, and I didn't believe it existed. Does it exist? Yes, it does. The Bible's very clear it does. I'm amazed how many people don't believe it. Because it does exist. And it will happen. If you fail to make a decision for Jesus Christ, guess what? He's already got a place picked out for you. And it's hell. You get the last room there. Hey, don't go there. Know what your life's about. It doesn't need to be about things. Things don't need to be the most important thing in your life. He needs to be the most important thing. The light comes on. I'm going to step on some toes. Parents, grandparents, the most important thing we can give our kids is Jesus. The most important thing you can give them is Jesus. Don't get me wrong. When my kid turns 16, they love the car too. But one of the things I love seeing her do is glorify Jesus with her life. Mm. My little girl wouldn't tell me what she does all the time because she's at that age. And I mean, she's called home maybe once, twice, talked to us, that was it, okay? She's really missing us a lot. <laughs> well, because her life is brutal, but she's very busy. But one of the things my little girl used to do, we lived down a one-lane road, and she goes by this lady's house. She is about 80, 90, gets around with a car. She drives pretty good. But she would stop in there and check on this lady. And this lady thought she was the berries. 
because she would stop and ask her if she wanted some food, ask her if she needed some help, do those things, and this lady thought she was an angel. Whoa. You know what? That does my dad heart really good because I think she's picked up a little bit of why we're put here on earth. It isn't all about me all the time. We need to make it more about him. Howie. Y'all know Howie. Stand up, Howie. Hey. This guy's cause called Howie. His name's Hunter. But he started an all-star basketball. Go ahead and sit down. <laughs> he started an all-star basketball. But he started coming to church. And he started loving what he was doing here at church. And God's kind of used him in a mysterious way to touch other people's lives along the way. But this kid's different than what he started with, right? He loves coming to church. He loves being a part. But it started with a love of basketball. Can God get our attention, guys? Yes. Be looking for the opportunities that he's trying to get your attention. Be looking on the opportunities he's calling you in for a closer relationship. He just didn't save you to give you fire insurance. He saved you to give you abundant life. Life that you can go, man, I can't picture life without you, Lord. That's what he's come to save us with. That's what he's come to give us. One last thing I want you to see down here, and I'll say the last thing. Here it is. But I have five brothers in order that they may not come to this spot into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, but he said, No, Father, Abraham, but if someone comes out of the grave or out of the dead, they will repent. What he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. I did a little research here too. Who's come back from the grave? Jesus. Did they celebrate when Jesus came out of the grave, the Pharisees and all those? Did they go, Woohoo! Jesus is alive! No. They wanted to confuse us even more. They said, Hey, guards. You just say the disciples stole his body. We'll give you some money to pay you off. Because nobody can serve two masters. They'll love one and hate the other, okay? But this money thing is probably what you're seeking right here, right? So they said just pass that along. Man. Here's the other one. Lazarus came forth. Was there a great revival? Did they have a great awakening when Lazarus came out of the grave? Let me do a little research for you. There wasn't a lot of people repenting and asking Jesus to come into their heart after that, okay? But today, knowing that Jesus conquered the grave, the great chasm, the great thing he conquered, he 
defeated death and knowing that I can have that, man, that means a lot to me. That's the reason we have Easter, right? He can, guys. But we have the power right here in God's Word. It said the prophets. It said the good news. I love it when Donnie's in the office. This man deserves a gold star. I'm telling you, this guy does it. Donnie, I'm picking on you because I know what you do. This guy, before he helps somebody, presents the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. Now, why in the world, if I need my water on, why am I getting the gospel? Because there's more to life than just water here on earth. There's living water. Where you're never going to thirst no more. Isn't that awkward how this guy's thirsting for a little drop of water? But Jesus is the clincher. He's everything. He's the living water that they search for. They don't know it till they get to eternity that he's there. We need to do everything we can to make what I'm doing about Jesus. Where other people can see Jesus in me. Instead of saying, hey Brent, great job. Hey God, good job, man. What you're living out of me is good. What you're living out of me is a testimony. That's the reason it's so important for us to share our testimony with people. Because they can identify with our testimony and change what they're doing with their life. So it's the gospel, what God's doing in my life, help change to keep people out of going to this place of torment, Hades. Where they could go be with him forever. Awesome. But I love it because he said the gospel is complete. His word is it. You don't need anybody else telling you anything. His word is everything. Now here's a flashback. Get down here with you. His word's everything. Does my neighbor know his words everything to me? Ooh. Does my wife know his words everything to me? Do my kids know his words everything to me? Here it is, guys. Wednesday night. We're going to have kids show up. They're going to be kids. But there's one thing they need to know. When they come into this building, hey, God's Word's everything. And I'm going to take time out and I'm going to teach them God's Word. Are you doing the same? Is it that important to you? Where you can say, yeah, God's Word's important to me. I'm teaching the Scripture. I'll be honest with you, I've had two kids growing up, and I'm not just speaking from a voice of experience, both of my kids hated Bible drills. They disliked getting up in front of people and doing the Bible. But man, that held them accountable. They did it. Dad and Mom learned these Bible verses too, because there was no way they were learning it, and we ain't learning it. 
because it took us pride in them to get them to learn it. What do you value? It will be proclaimed loudly from the highest skyscraper. Not by what you say, but by what you do. Dave, you come forward. We're going to close this service. I don't know if you feel the same way I do sometimes. When God walks all over me, when God gives me a rock in my shoe, I can't think about anything else. I pray that this message would sink in with you. Because a lot of times I can put myself in that Pharisee's thing going, Hey, life's great with me. I can live with this. But then I realize, one day, I'm going to pass over to the other side. What am I doing for my loved ones now? What am I doing for the five brothers? To tell them that there is a place that they don't want to go. Now, that might be the reason God saved me, to tell other people. You know, when God was working on me, I always told him I'd do anything besides sing, man. I cannot sing, Lord. You don't want me to be a song director. I can't play. I, Trey laughs at me because I have no rhythm, so is Dave. I just can't do it. But I can live Jesus. There might be a lot of things you say you can't do in life, but you can live Jesus. I loved Chris and Kim the other night when they were saying, hey, these people in Spain really thought we were something when we could speak the language and tell them about Jesus and why we're learning their language. Wow. How many times has God got you right where he wants you and you just don't know? Let's stand. Have a word of prayer. Tell my Father, you break my heart. These are the people I love. This is my church, I can kind of say. I can really say it. Tell my Father, I just pray that we won't get confused to what we're living for. What's number one in my life? Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would just work in our children's area, you'd work in our nursery area, you'd work in every way that you can. And Heavenly Father, I know there's less than 300 here today, but I know you equipped each one of us. If you saved us, you equipped us. You equipped us for good works. Help us to make ourselves available. To be used by you. To do great things. Have a last eternity to give us a hope and a future. I thank you, Lord, for what you do each day. I thank you for these ones in our congregation, man, that have come our way, that have plugged in, and man, we see you working in their lives. 
Heavenly Father, it's excited to see a vibrant church. It's excited to see something that you've done. You had that plan. It wasn't our plan. But you equipped us to share the good news. Help us not to shun away from it. But to learn your words, to learn that you can and do everything through us. I pray that you just work on us. Draw us into a closer walk with you. And then my father, there's somebody here that doesn't know you today. I pray that you'd allow them to come to know you as their personal Savior today. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people say, 